The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. Welcome to Camp Creep, a podcast focusing on anthology horror, starting with Tales from the Crypt. Hello, I'm Camp Counselor Lauren Jewell. And I'm your least favorite Camp Counselor, Tish Delano. Uh, Good morning! Good morning! We've changed up recording times because of our schedules are just pure anarchy. Pure scheduling (laughs) anarchy right now. But we're stubborn. Yes, we will do this! Yes. So this episode comes out on Thanksgiving. Yeah! And I just wanted to say from the bottom of my heart, Tish, yes. I am thankful for coffee. Me too. <laughs> and you. I am thankful that Lego has just gotten very close to me and has not tried to slip my throat yet. I think that's progress. I think she was intrigued by the festive coffee creamer that I brought today. Good chance. Mocha peppermint almond milk creamer from Aldi's. Yes. Tasty and it's a deal. Heyo. <laughs> not sponsored by Aldi's. So I, I have a question. Have you ever watched the movie Thanks Killing? I have not, and I think you ask me that every I- November. <laughs> I've watched the trailer at least. Good Last enough. year, that's as far as I got was watching the trailer. Yeah, I will at some point. At some point in time. I, someday, I it, will watch it. <laughs> it is a family tradition. I believe we even got our grandmother to watch it one year. Wow. And to the campers who have seen it, I just want to say, gobble, gobble, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not celebrating Thanksgiving this year, but because both of my parents have COVID. Yep. It's been a rough couple weeks over here for me because, yes, my parents got COVID because they did not want to get vaccinated for reasons that I will not go into because my head will explode. My dad got pneumonia, but even though he's high risk, he was okay. He was able to get antibody treatment pretty quickly and got to a stable place. My mother, on the other hand was not doing well. So it was a very, very, very stressful week and weekend for me. Yes. Yes, that was very difficult. So, hey campers, get vaccinated. You have no excuses. Get your fucking vaccinations. I mean, unless you're immunocompromised and your doctor said you can't. That would be the only Okay, fine. (laughs) Fine. Yes. Some of you might have a valid reason, (laughs) but the rest of you are chickens. Yes. Please get vaxxed. I just got my booster. I believe you just got your booster. I did. You inspired me. And also I realized, oh, I can finally get it because I was one of those people that got the Johnson and Johnson. Limited edition, baby. Yes. Phew. Alright. Yeah. All do, right. do you want a drum roll? Yeah. Because I can hold up. And Kippers, this is our first official episode on Joy Road Media. <laughs> Yay! Ooh, that'll be fun to edit later. Yeah. Very <laughs> exciting. We are thrilled to be at Joy Road Media. Our voices may not be conveying the level of excitement, <laughs> but it's early. I woke up an hour ago and we're both still very tired. <laughs> So, Camp Counselor Tish. Yeah. We're ready to go creeping through that crypt. Super ready to go creeping through that crypt. Yeah. And this is a creeperosity. I was going to give you a history of ventriloquists and all that fun stuff, but Mm. I decided to do something different and we're gonna play a little game. This is a list of scary doll and puppet horror movies from horrormovietalk.com. Oh. I'm going to read the title of the movie and I want you to tell me if you've seen it or not. Or 
like the puppet from it. Gabo puppet from the Great Gabo from 1929. Okay, then no. Not that old. Hugo puppet from Dead of Night 1945. No, but I thought they, did they remake that? It sounds like a zombie movie to me. But I think there's like a puppet movie, or maybe they just released it and put a fancy cover on it, because I swear I've seen Dead of Night with like a, a puppet, but I don't know. Seven more to go. This one I know you've seen. The Zuni doll from Trilogy of Terror from 1975. Yes. Clown doll from Poltergeist 1982. Unfortunately, yes. Yup. <laughs> uh, you might be familiar with this one. I'm not totally sure, mm-hmm. you know? I can't tell if you're obsessed with this director or not. Oh. So, are you familiar with Chucky from Child's Play 1988? Uh, let's see. Let me, let me, <laughs> I can't even count at this moment because I actually don't remember because I think I just found another one that I didn't know I had. <laughs> I can't count how many versions of the Chucky doll in various sizes and forms I have in my home. So y- yeah, maybe just a little bit. Aww. And this one is my personal favorite, but number mm-hmm. six, the Puppet Master puppets from Puppet Master 1989. Yes. And if you look over here, you can see some artwork by Terrence, who was our special guest like two episodes ago. All right, number seven. And I didn't realize he had a name, but Billy the Puppet from Saw 2004. So the Saw, the Saw Puppet, Jigsaw Puppet. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, yes. Apparently his name is Billy. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Number eight is also Billy the Puppet, but this time it's from Dead Silence 2007. Yes, I have seen that one. I think that's where I got the Dead of Night. Dead Silence, Dead of Night. Oh, I got those mixed up. So. Maybe, maybe. Number nine, Annabelle from Annabelle 2014. Sigh, yes. Unfortunately, I... <laughs> I have have issues with those movies. (laughs) Also, a fun fact, my niece, Bella, begged me to take her to go see Annabelle when that came out. So we made it a date. Oh, she made mistakes that day. (laughs) She hated it. It was beautiful. And this one wasn't actually on the list, but this list only had nine, and Uh I thought that was stupid. So number 10, I decided it's going to be Brahms from The Boy 2016. Yes, I actually own that one. Oh, do you? Yeah, I I got it for a Christmas present. Decent movie. I liked the twist. I haven't Me seen too. the second. Yeah. Oh, oh. Don't bother. I read a quick review and was like, okay, cool. I don't need to watch this. Because like, how can you make a sequel to this? I don't understand. And yeah, the review was just don't. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. This is season two, episode 10, The Ventriloquist's Dummy. And here is your synopsis. This episode of Tales from the Crypt is based off of the 28th issue of the Tales from the Crypt comic. You know that saying, don't meet your heroes? Well, Billy Goldman didn't listen and went to meet his ventriloquist idol, Mr. Ingalls. Billy invites Ingalls to watch him perform at the same club where he had his final performance before a strange accident occurred with a murder, a fire, but also where he lost his hand. Hmm. Billy has a terrible first performance and is all sorts of down on himself when he hears people screaming and stumbles across a murder. After hearing that the person who killed a woman tried starting a fire, he suspects his hero and rushes to his house to confront him. Shenanigans ensue. And everybody gets what they deserve. Every time you said murder, it was so hard to resist the impulse to go, murder? Has there been a murder? There's been a murder. (laughs) Ah, that's how you can tell the ADHD meds and the coffee combined are working. Oh, good. All right. So we open the episode on the Crypt Keeper announcing that it is 
mail time! And I have the lyrics to the mail time song here for anyone that grew up with blues some clues. blues clues. Hell yeah. But then I looked it up and I was like, oh, we can get sued if I put it on the podcast. Potentially. Potentially sued. So I was like, fine. We should make a parody. Yeah. I, uh, oh, I'm going to full on sing the damn song doing the full on <laughs> mail time dance. I will do it because I used to babysit mm-hmm. and work in a daycare and I worked, I watched a lot of blues clues, man. And I can confirm you, myself, and our other old co-worker have definitely <laughs> sang that song after I went to go get the mail. <laughs> it's iconic, okay? Totally, totally. Yes. So where's this mail that the Crypt Keeper got from? It's from the Hack Me Novelty Company in Batchel Shriek, Michigan. <laughs> I was not expecting that little nod to Michigan. In case you are very unfamiliar with geography and you are not from Michigan, we have a town called Battle Creek. It's where Kellogg is. Mm. I think that's the only thing in Battle Creek, but... So, the Crypt Keeper opens the box and there's a ventriloquist dummy inside. Named Dickie. Yeah. He's a little dick. He is. My favorite part is the Crypt Keeper is like, Hey, you won't see me moving my lips. Because I don't have any. Hey, yo. (laughs) It was mildly disorienting seeing a puppet use a puppet. That's... (laughs) That's a lot of layers. He plays with him for five seconds and then throws him in the fire because Dickie insulted him. So then we get into the episode and we are at a resort comedy club. I'm thinking this is like those resorts and like the cat skills. Like think Dirty Dancing because they're like back in the day. How do I tell you this? What? I've never seen Dirty Dancing. I'm familiar with it. Nobody puts baby in the corner. (sighs) Have the time of your life. I will say there's a lot of quote unquote classics out there that like I roll my eyes and I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't care if you've seen it or not. Dirty Dancing is a legitimately good movie. And I hate saying that because it's super girly. Um, (laughs) But it is, I I do enjoy that film. So anyway, to give you, since we don't have that reference to base on, I'm sure there are other campers who've never seen it back in the day. And I think there's still a few of them around in the United States, particularly in some mountain rangy areas. They have these very fancy rustic resorts and they have nice cabins. Cabins. They're not like cabin cabins, but they're bougie because it's for wealthy people. Where and they have little like bars and clubs, and they have like will often have like theater shows going on and stuff. Ha! Okay. Yes. I follow. They're at a club. And it's very funny. <laughs> yes. Which is all my note says is they're performing. It's very funny. But here is my favorite joke from the evening. Okay. Morty the dummy says, I took my girl here for dinner last night and she found a bug in her soup. That's terrible. What happened? She yelled, waiter, remove this insect at once. And? The guy threw me out. <laughs> You're lucky that I had written down the same joke because I liked it so much. Yes. So, yes, so this is Mr. Ingalls and his ventriloquist dummy, Morty, and they are slaying. Up until that joke, I was like, I don't get it. Why every single thing that comes out of Morty's little puppet mouth just sends the audience into hysterics, and they are here for it. And little Billy Goldman is in the audience, and he is practically tears running down his face. I swear to God, this kid is wetting his pants. He's laughing so hard. Backstage after the show, Billy comes up to Ingalls and gets his autograph because he's just so excited and he wants Mr. Ingalls to know that he wants to be a ventriloquist when he grows up. And his mom butts in and says, no, no, Billy, you want to be a doctor when you grow up. Well, you know what, Billy? My mom wanted me to marry a doctor. (laughs) And 
instead I married an IT guy and now I'm about to marry an electrician. So keep disappointing your mom, Billy. (laughs) Mr. Ingalls tells Billy that he can look him up if he ever wants tips on his act. Oh, that is always such a mistake. Don't say that to people. They will take you up on that offer. What a dink. (laughs) Because it gets awkward. Yes, but we're not there yet. Next, a very pretty lady goes down to meet Mr. Ingalls for their date. Mm -hmm. Ingalls tries to cancel, but the dummy has other plans and tries to get this hot blonde to go straight home with them. And it is working on her. She is seduced by this ventriloquist dummy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was like, mm, I'd be running for the hills, but I guess that's just me and I don't like ventriloquist dummies. The blonde finds this charming and she walks away and then we're back with Billy, but somebody is yelling fire. Billy is back in his little fancy cabin. He's supposed to be going to bed, but he's up practicing his ventriloquism skills, which are non-existent. Nope. And he gets distracted by the sounds of sirens. And it's the nightclub on fire! No! No! And the camera does something interesting. It focuses in on the autograph photo of Ingalls and Morty. And all you can see is the flickering flames and the reflection. Woo! Foreshadowing! Woo! Fifteen years later. A grown Billy, along with his own ventriloquist dummy, Tim, arrive at a remote cabin in the woods. Oh, Billy is such a precious nerd and I want to marry this character so bad. So, so sad. It's adorable. adorable. Yes. He's practicing (laughs) what he's gonna say. He... Oh, God. Oh, poor Billy. He's supposed to be so disappointed. Yeah, he is fanboying out hard because you find out he's at Ingalls' cabin. And now a little bit of a recluse. Ingalls is not thrilled to see anyone there, but when Billy starts to use Tim to talk to him and introduce (laughs) himself, he has like a memory of who Billy was as a kid and is like, ah, shit come in. To be fair, I mean, when anybody shows up my house, I have pretty much the same response, which is, it's private property. Go away! Pretty much. <laughs> Ingles is indeed a grumpy as fuck old man, oh, and so the grumpy. day Billy saw him 15 years ago mm-hmm. was his last performance ever. Yes. Him and Morty are retired. Billy spots Morty's case, loses his mind, and tries to run and open it up, and I'm like, dude, you're in somebody else's home. I I mean, maybe be respectful, but Ingalls said, leave it alone. He's retired like me. A little weird, but okay. Mm-hmm. Valid, valid. Just setting some boundaries. That's all. Billy then sees a newspaper clipping about the accident and he makes a comment about like, oh, it's good to have memories. Ingalls says, some memories are better than others. Aww. Mm-hmm. True. It's so sad. True, true, true. Ingalls isn't even sure how the fire started, so he says. All he knows is... He lost everything that night. His right hand, which is covered in black cloth, appearing as though it's kind of been severed or damaged in some way. Yeah, Billy asks him why he can't do this act with the other hand. You know what, Billy? Have you ever tried to do something complex with your non-dominant hand? <laughs> Let's see how good you do. Write me, write me a paragraph with your non-dominant hand, you jerk off. Well, the answer that Ingalls gets him is, <laughs> this is the hand that held the magic in it. He asks him, why the hell did you even come here? Billy reveals that tomorrow is amateur night at the old resort club, the nautical club. He wanted Ingalls to see him for his first time. Oh, how yeah. lovely. Ingalls 
Knuckles, of course, tells him no. Billy is defeated and starts leaving, but then rips his glasses off and has a bold declaration of love. I mean, adoration. (laughs) I I called it, quote, unquote, the speech in all caps. (laughs) And I have it written down here. We'll try to do it in his little waver voice. Mr. Ingalls, ever since I saw you that night, you've been my idol. Because of you, all I ever wanted to be was a ventriloquist. I've got to know if I've got what it takes. Only you can tell me that. And if you can figure out who this actor is before we get to who's that goal based on that terrible impression, (laughs) 10 points for your house. (laughs) So Billy leaves and Ingalls is by himself, but he says to the empty room, what do you think, Morty? And then, so now we are at amateur night and there's some bad acts. Some of them are funny, but Camp Counselor Tish. Yes. Did you know that the secret to amateur night is to have great tits? I did. I I wrote that down because on stage, as Billy is pacing back and forth backstage, there is a girl singing. Not the worst singing I've ever heard, but not great. It could have been been a lot better. She's twirling batons and the MC says that she sounds like a cat in heat. (laughs) But, you know, make sure you got big tits. Otherwise, you're sunk because that is apparently the key to surviving amateur night. I think that is the key to surviving a lot of different types of amateur nights. Hey. hey! Billy finally gets to go on stage, and this man is so, so fucking sweaty. Oh, it is God. disgusting. His sweat could fill a whole pitcher. Yes, yes. It, like, oh, mm. it's gross. Yes, yeah, so uh, he's super nervous, and, like, the dummy's head pops off, and the crowd is <laughs> not supportive. No, they're really, they're so mean. rude for amateur night. Like, you shouldn't so expect mean. greatness, y'all. No, and and sadly, Ingalls is in the crowd, so it's extra humiliating for Billy as they're actively booing him. And by the way, did you notice that the capsule part where the MC didn't even know his name? Yes. He only knew the dumb, the ventriloquist dummy's name. And as performers, we know how an MC flubbing your intro can totally throw off your groove. 1000%. You threw off the performer's groove. I'm sorry, you've thrown off the performer's groove. And then the MC gets chucked out the window. That's how it should work, but it never does. (laughs) Yeah, so the way that the crowd is interacting with poor, poor Billy. He does say one of my most favoritist dad jokes. Yes. He says, I just flew in from somewhere in the crowd, much like Rocky Horror Picture Show Shadowcast starts yelling the jokes right back at him. And they're <laughs> like, and I bet your arms are tired. Uh, waka waka. People also start screaming at him that they want to see the girl with the tits. I was like, wow, that's cold, audience. That's real cold. Billy tries to get Ingalls to come on board, you know, to help save this sinking ship. But Ingalls does probably what I would have done in that situation and just sneaks right out. After the show, Mm -hmm. there is a lovely woman of the night walking up to the bar where Ingalls is sitting. And she tries to convince him to buy her a drink because he reminds her of her grandfather. But wait, it gets worse. There's a special discount on family members. <sighs> Listen, I don't want to critique anyone's hustle, but that is a whole lot of yikes. And mm. I wanted to personally reach out and pay for some therapy for that young woman. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, oh, so baby, no, that is not a pickup line. Oh, God. <laughs> and you have you have some things that I think you need to talk about. Ingalls shoes her away, declines her very intriguing offer, and Billy comes in and 
boy, is it awkward. Billy knows he did bad, and Ingalls yep. tries to be nice about it before suggesting he goes into another line of work. Yes. And they, the two of them kind of have this heart-to-heart moment before Billy finally leaves. Yeah, but poor Billy looked like he was about to burst into tears, and I was like, oh my god, I feel so bad for this guy. Oh, And we did get to see a, a really soft side of Ingalls, which, you know, he's been ornery, grumpy old guy for this entire episode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're like, oh, he was really sweet there. Um, and he told tells him he understood what it's like when your whole life stream crumbles like dust in your hand. Dun, dun, Foreshadowing. Dun. Billy leaves and Ingalls starts acting real weird. His messed up hand starts shaking and he says no before he can look down at the bar where that lady of the night is sitting. Our gal with granddaddy issues. <laughs> he goes up to her and asks her if he can buy her a drink after all. Yeah. Cut to Billy outside. He's yelling at himself saying that his mother was right and he hears a scream rushing over to the scene. There's a woman from the bar who is now dead. Yes, and I want I wanted to note cuz I have made fun of people's screams in the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I first heard that scream, my initial reaction was is somebody having an orgasm and then the scream evolved and I was like, "Oh, okay, no, this is a panicky scream." Okay, never mind. Never mind. False alarm. <laughs> False alarm. Yeah, that was a really bad scream. Like, oh man, yeah, I'm I'm giving that scream a 1 out of 10. So it looks like when Billy arrives to the scene, somebody had slashed her throat mm-hmm. and then they also found out that somebody tried to set the car on fire. My complaint about Billy here, which I'm sure you'll agree and understand because mm-hmm. I know who we both are, yes, is that he takes his coat off and covers up the woman and my guy, that is a crime scene you're fucking with! And he literally touches so many spots in the door. Like when he first arrives, that's the first thing he does is he puts his hand on the open car door because she's like in the driver's seat. And he puts his hand in the car door and touches it in multiple places. And I'm screaming at my TV. I'm like, this is an active crime scene and you just contaminated it. And then, yeah, I lost it when he put his coat over her. I was like, I was like, Billy, you just contaminated it with your hair and DNA and all of that crap. I was like, oh, Billy, Billy. Oh, I wanted to slap him. Yes. I was very upset. (laughs) I like like that we both put a note in there. It was very important. Before he runs off, he tells people, don't smoke. Oh, yes. As they're complaining about the smell of gasoline. And oh, apparently somebody tried to set the car on fire. So he gives out that that special little tip there. Hey, guys, don't smoke and blow all of you up. Billy seems to know that it was Ingalls and he rushes to where he lives. He bursts into his house and Ingalls is trying to give himself morphine into the bad hand when Billy tells him that he's a junkie who smells like gasoline. Yes. In case you don't know, like to give yourself a dose of morphine, it's not popping a pill. You need to inject it into yourself. Thus, the visuals were bad. So Billy tells him to think, I wanted to be just like you. And I'm like, wow, way to be super judgmental, Billy. Ingalls is trying to defend himself and says that Morty was the one that killed the woman and all he did was set the fire. Talking about, yeah, Mm -hmm. the showgirl from the beginning of the episode. Billy is, of course, confused as fuck. He does not believe Ingalls as Ingalls attempts to convince him he didn't murder anyone. He promised 
promises. Morty hates women because he's never been able to have a woman in a normal way, mm-hmm. which is immediately just kind of raises the hairs on the back of your neck. Apparently, Morty is very willful and very psychotic. Billy tells him that there are doctors out there that can help him. Well, Ingalls understands what he's trying to say to him and tell him that he's crazy, but that he needs to leave before Morty decides to hurt him. So Billy is describing what the ventriloquist dummy Morty is made out of and that he doesn't have a mind or a soul. And while Billy is talking about this and getting Morty out of the case, Ingalls makes a comment and says, and no head and whoosh. He grabs a cleaver and Billy turns just in time to avoid getting cleaved by Ingalls. I don't know if cleaved is a verb, but we're making it a verb today. Ha ha! There's a struggle. Ingalls tells him to take a look in the trunk again and pointing out that the head of the dummy isn't a regular head. It's a mask. Dun, dun, dun. And Ingalls reveals... There's a plot twist because Morty is Ingalls' brother! Who is attached to his hand. Ugh. That's right. We're going full basket case over here. Yup. So when he removes the bandages and you see that this like morphed carrot looking thing is there instead of an actual hand, the hand says, here's Morty. Yes, apparently they're conjoined twins, conjoined in the worst and creepiest possible way. And rather than live life as outcasts, they decided to go into show business together. And for 15 years, Ingalls had kept Morty drugged up on morphine, but the attack earlier was the last of it. And now he's convinced Ingalls that he needs to kill Billy. Yes, because Billy's going to go and mess everything up. And as Ingalls is trying to murder Billy, Morty is just running his mouth just nonstop, and he insists that he's the star of the show. Morty is the brains behind the operation. Morty is the funny one. Meanwhile, Ingalls is staring at him and looks like he's getting pissed. And I'm really excited for who's that ghoul today because I also think that maybe he's a legit ventriloquist because I'm staring at his throat Mm -hmm. and it kind of looks like it's moving. And like, listen, listen, (laughs) this entire cast looks and sounds so familiar and if any campers are surprised that I don't know who someone is then where have you been the past two seasons right this is my MO right? I don't fucking know who anybody is but I have I have my own little pun here coming up this is when Ingalls decides to split up the act hey he's taking matters into his own hand hey and he <laughs> cuts off Morty aka his own hand and he collapses and he's sitting there bleeding to death and Billy is trying to comfort him and this part legitimately creeped me out because we don't realize that Morty <laughs> didn't immediately die and crawled away some to a different part of the cabin yeah Ingalls was so okay with dying because he's free now but oh here pop up Morty and says he's the free one. Yes, and Billy and Ingalls react appropriately. They scream hysterically, which I almost did because Morty creeps me out. Valid as fuck. And I have a little verb here for how Morty moves when they show him moving. He skitters. I Yes, I have. The camera gets creepy at Morty's point of view and when he jumps into Ingalls' neck and starts biting, when Billy pulls him off, he has killed his brother. Yes, he chewed his jugular open. Ugh. What a way to go. Billy attempts to squish Morty with a baseball bat while Morty skitters all over the place and continues to antagonize him. We do get my favorite 
favorite quote. And I hope someday to be able to use this as an insult to someone. Billy calls Morty. He says he is a, looks like an inbred Cabbage Patch doll. And if you know what a Cabbage Patch doll looks like, he's not far off. No, I don't understand why people like Cabbage Patch kids. I I missed that. I had some as a kid. And let me tell you, the day I realized that they were creepy was the day they went in the closet and never came back out. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. So I imagine that this scene was pretty fun to shoot and like I want to be there. I I wanted to see this being like done up. So Morty is so busy taunting Billy with baseball jokes that when Billy stomps his foot down on the floorboard, he rockets Morty up into the air and Billy hits him. And I think that's a home run, right? Is that how baseball works? You you hit the Uh, Cabbage Patch Kid and bam, home run? Yes. (laughs) So Morty ricochets off of the bulletin board right onto the meat grinder. I'm making asshole casserole, pal, and you're the main ingredient. Yes, I wrote that down too. There were, that, I was like, man, I was like, this scene is really slaying it with the quotes, man. <laughs> and Billy starts trying to grind up Morty and Morgie's pleading and trying to bargain with Billy. Anything Billy wants, he can have. Total light bulb moment. Billy realizes that his dreams can come true. And the next scene, the two of them create the Billy and Morty act and we're once again at the Nautical Club. Yes, and it's a super successful show. The MC says that they've just come from Vegas and, you know, they start out and Billy's doing great. He's killing it. Mm -hmm. And then Morty... Sees a pretty lady. Oh, it's all downhill once he spots a pretty lady. He totally abandons their comedic routine to start making lewd remarks. My favorite being, I bet she could suck the varnish off of a footstool. Yeah. I once had a guy make a joke at me that he bet I could suck a ping pong ball through a garden hose. And I'm going to say, I mean, I was in my 20s at the time, and I did not understand what the hell he was trying to say to me. And it was many <laughs> years later that I heard a, a, a kind of an exclamation to that. And I was like, oh, I think he was trying to compliment me. <laughs> is that is that a compliment? Um, I don't want to get- I'm phoning a friend. You are the right. friend. Well, you know, the guy who said it actually has listened to this podcast. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if he's going to listen to this episode. Interesting. <laughs> I, I wonder if he'll remember saying that, making that comment towards me. I uh, have some questions for you, sir. Yeah. So, Billy drops the act and is threatening Morty that if he doesn't knock it off, he's going to put him back into the meat grinder. And Morty says he may find that to be difficult and painful. And it looks like Billy is struggling. I should note, they're having a full-on couple's quarrel. <laughs> like, you know, when you're out in a store and you see a couple just have like a very public fight, but not like where you're concerned about anybody's safety, the kind where you want to grab a bag of popcorn and just start eating because you're like, I cannot believe people are being this messy in public. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is what's going on. And then Billy starts screaming. Somehow, Morty attaches himself into Billy's hand and now everyone who didn't leave gets to see a hella weird show because Billy like rips the puppet off and they can all see Morty and his Mortyisms. Yeah, and and it's it's I I'm very I would love to see the prosthetic for this because it's bizarre. Like it's literally like Morty managed to fully absorb into the, Billy's hand. He osmosis Jones did everybody. 
Hey, <laughs> there's a movie I haven't seen. From what I remember, <laughs> it was really good. Okay. I think it's on Netflix. Okay. There is one thing I want to point out before we like end the episode and go sure. back to the crypt. Yeah. So there's this dude that's sitting in the front row and all the while everybody is like screaming mm-hmm. and leaving. But like this guy is super here for it. And I think that he's also a guy that was in one of the opening scenes because the camera like paused on him. Huh. So I don't know if you have anything about this dude and who's that ghoul but that was just one of the things that made me go all right we shall see i don't i don't remember seeing noticing that but you know so then we go back to the crypt and i try i tried to do a pun count and then i realized i was like i think i may have missed a few i think i counted four puns basically everything the crypt keeper says in his outro is just a pun mm-hmm. my favorite being billy deserves a big hand Ayo. hey and that was our episode I'm here for it. Hello there, campers. October may have come and gone, but let's be honest, isn't it always spooky season? Lucky for us, the Picassos are inviting us to the seance with their newest EP and other scary stories. This EP includes a cover of Oingo Boingo's Dead Man's Party, as well as original music by the band, including a song called My Personal Phenomena. The Picassos say that... This song has always required audience participation, and for live events, we get any willing to join us in singing the final chorus. And almost always when performing this song written in my haunted house about the ghosts that may or may not live there, light bulbs have burst, things fall over, and oftentimes you can feel a change in the air. You can get a digital copy of And Other Scary Stories at thepicassos.bandcamp.com. They're also streaming on Spotify, Apple, and SoundCloud. For more details, check out their Instagram at thepicassos. The Picassos, haunted sounds for haunted people. All right, and it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Who's That Ghoul? This episode was directed by Richard Donner once again. Richard Donner had directed a previous episode, and I believe he directs some future episodes. In case you need a little refresher on some movies that Richard Donner has also directed, The Omen, Superman, Superman 2, and if you're a big Christopher Reeves Superman fan campers, I'm sure you're familiar with the Richard Donner Superman drama. There was a Superman 2 has a actual release that you can buy called the Richard Donner cut because he left as the director halfway through and they brought in a different director and it, the movie is yeah it's it's all it's super it's very Hollywood drama it's very, it's very fascinating if you're interested look into it he also directed The Goonies Lethal Weapon 1 through 4 and I have a fun little story on Goonies Steven Spielberg was the producer and Steven Spielberg instructed the cast and crew to act cold and distant during Donner on the last week of filming oh. which yeah 
yeah, really puzzled and kind of hurt Richard's feelings. And then shortly after filming wrapped, Donner went to his beach house in Hawaii, ran into a frenzied neighbor who managed to take up his entire day. And then when he finally arrived home, the entire cast was there with Donner to celebrate with a cookout. Spielberg had flown them all over to Hawaii on the promise that they not speak a word to Donner about the surprise. Oh my god. Yes, which prompted them, you know, prompted a very awkward week <laughs> of everyone avoiding and being really cold toward Richard Donner. Oh, Yeah. That's kind of sad. I don't yeah, think I like that joke. I know. And I'm like, you know, Spielberg... It's kind of rude. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, I, I think the intent was there, but you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I suppose. Right. And then we get to Ingalls. Yes. Ingalls is played by the legendary comedian Don Rickles. I do not expect you to know who Don Rickles is. I feel is. like I know the name. Yes. Like I, know the, yeah. I know a couple names from this episode, yes. but I can't context it. Yes. So Don Rickles started out his career as a stand-up comedian, working in clubs for about 20 years. Oh. I could not find any record of ventriloquism, so sorry about that. And then he transitioned to TV. He started out as a TV announcer in 1955, and then he broke into acting. He had a role in the 1958 film Run Silent, Run Deep, which I have never seen. And then he peppered his career with small roles on TV shows such as The Twilight Zone, The ah, Addams Family. That's what it was. The, the Twilight Zone. The Dick Van Dyke Show, The Munsters, I Dream of Jeannie, The Lucy Show, Gilligan's Island, Ooh. The Beverly Hillbillies. Basically, if you watched Nick at Night, I you've did. seen Don Rickles <laughs> guest star in several episodes of these shows. Amazing. Yes. From 1973 to 1984, he was a regular on Dean Martin's Celebrity Roasts, and he was actually selected to be the Roastmaster for Dean Dean Martin himself. In 76, he had his own TV show, which lasted for two years, called CPO Sharky. I never heard of that show, never watched it, don't know if it was good, have no idea what it was about. Huh. <laughs> All right. Yes. But later in his career, he went on to be the voice of Mr. Potato Head in the Toy Story franchise. Oh. <gasps> yep. Yes. And I'm talking, he did one and two, and between one and two, and up until his death, he did the voice of Mr. Potato Head in all of the video games, Toy Story TV shows, commercial spots. Like, he was Mr. Potato Head. I kind of want a Mr. Potato Head for the office now. Right? I think it'd be appropriate. Other roles of note, he was in Casino alongside Al Pacino, mm. and he was in Dirty Work alongside the late, great... Norm Macdonald. Pour one out for your homie, Norm Macdonald, except not really, because there's carpet in here. So I won't do that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Sadly, Don Rickles passed away on April 6th, day before my birthday, 2017, at the ripe old age of 90. Aww. Yes. So Don Rickles, legendary stand-up comedian and icon. Thank you, Don. He was fabulous in this episode. You were amazing. Yes. And then Billy Goldman is played 
by another legendary comedian. Is his name something with a wolf? You're close. It's a different animal. And campers, if you haven't seen the episode and you managed to guess who this comedian is based on my impression, please leave it in the comments because I'm very curious. Oh, boy. It is Bobcat Goldthwaite. Oh, yep. Yes. Long animal. Yep, yep. Like that, I was like, you're close. Not a wolf, but a cat. A Aww. bobcat. Bobcat is not his real name, but that is his stage name. Bobcat began performing stand-up comedy at the age of 15. Oh, wow. So much like Billy, he knew from childhood that he wanted to go into comedy. The major difference is Bobcat was actually good. <laughs> I would assume so. <laughs> yes. By the 1980s, he had three televised comedy specials under his belt. His first major film role came in 1985 with Police Academy 2, a classic. But granted, I have not gone back and watched the Police Academy movies, so I'm sure they're filled with problematic stuff. But in the 80s, they were, they were a comedy staple. Uh, he played Cadet Zed. He also reprised that role in Police Academy 3. And then he went on to do films such as One Crazy Summer, which is a great film, Scrooge with Bill Murray, and he was a voice in Disney's Hercules. <gasps> oh, we, he was... Or pain. One, yeah, pain. Ah! Yes, yes. And a movie that I've never seen that a lot of people always get upset about that I haven't seen it because apparently it's such a good movie. He was in Blow with Johnny Depp and Penelope Cruz. I haven't seen it, so I can't get mad yeah, at there you. We go. So. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I... I was like, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't care about cocaine. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> He's done a ton of voice acting. So you know his voice, even if you don't know his face. He's had tons of cameos on TV shows, such as Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yes. The Simpsons, Adventure Time, That 70s Show, and it, it, tons tons. He's very iconic. He also wrote and directed and starred in a film that I've never seen, and you'll be able to tell why from the title, the 1981 <laughs> clown film called Shakes the Clown. I have seen Shakes the Clown. Oh, wow. Really? Yes. It is very good. I'm going to shout out one of our friends here. Uh-huh. Pipsy Pinwheel. Pipsy! Loves shakes the clown i watched it with her recently i love it yes. well so i knew something yeah pipsy by the way is one of the few clowns that i'm not scared of it's true <laughs> guys she is one of the few female sword swallowers out there she's delightful you can see her at like renaissance festivals and stuff that is the pinwheel sideshow by pipsy pinwheel and she's also an incredibly nice and sweet person. She is so nice. So shower her with love. I very much adore Pipsy, and I think she is an amazing performer. So yes. yeah, just a little detour in the who's that ghoul to plug a friend, <laughs> friend of the podcast. And I do have one. So those were the two main characters. And I went through all of the little people that had, you know, five seconds on the screen. And most of them are people that this was their only role, or they only did a few like B movie, or maybe had a walk on role on a TV show. And that was it. Nothing of note with the exception of one person, and I'm really curious to know if he's the guy that you saw in both the opening and the closing comedy club scene. The character even had a name, Dick Feinwald, played by Steve Suskind. And, I mean, his IMDb wasn't particularly impressive, but he had one 
horror-related, pretty iconic credit. He played Harold in Friday the 13th Part 3. Jason kills him with a cleaver to the chest. But what makes him extra iconic, so Harold and his wife die, but this Friday the 13th Part 3 is where Jason gets his hockey mask, but also the clothes he wears for many of the this film and several of the following films are the clothes that he steals off of Harold's dead body. Oh! Yes! That's awesome! Yeah, so, um, so that's cool, and I think that'd be cool if they gave him a little feature. I can't can't remember in the timeline. I think Friday the 13th Part 3 came out before this episode was filmed. I could be wrong. Don't come for me, but because I did not bother to write down dates because <laughs> why would I do that? But yes, those were your ghouls in this week's Who's That Ghoul? Yeah. I loved that. Thanks. I thought that was a fun little, since there were no after-school specials, which was incredible. That is very surprising. Normally, there's at least one somewhere. Right? (sighs) However, Camp Counselor Tish, I have a very important question for you. Yes, Camp Counselor Lauren? Did you like this episode? I did. (laughs) I give this episode and very enthusiastic and decrepit two severed thumbs up. Can confirm. This episode was fucking hilarious. The cast was amazing. I loved the plot twist with Morty because God, is he not terrifying? Yes. Oh, wait, who who did Morty's voice? It didn't say. So my assumption, and this is a big assumption, but yeah, it literally did not say in the credits because I looked for that. You know what? Huh. Got my laptop right here. Yeah, just gonna no, double I, that doesn't check. make any damn sense. I was wondering, like, but what about Morty? So my assumption would be either either it's John Gassier or Don Rickles. It, that's just very odd to me. Huh. Campus, if somebody knows the answer. Right. Campers, we have to go to work after we get done recording this. So if somebody else wants to do the labor of trying to find out who the voice of Morty was for us, that would be lovely. Send us an email at campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Worst case scenario, next time we see John Kassir, I say incredibly casually, because I'm sure we will go to a convention that he's at within the next year or two. Uh, We'll just put this on the list of things to ask him if he has any idea if he did that or maybe Don did. Hmm. Maybe he would know. Maybe he'll tell us, why are you asking me questions? Why are you standing too close? Why did you just steal a lock of my hair, Lauren? Who knows? We don't know. (laughs) You can't see the look on my face right now, but it's iconic. I quit. (laughs) No, we have to do the outro. We have to do the outro. All right. All right. So if you want to support the show, campers following us wherever you listen to your podcasts and maybe leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yepers, you can also follow us on Instagram at Camp Creep Podcast, on the Twitter at Camp Creep Pod, and we do have a TikTok, Camp Creep Podcast as well. And we're on Facebook. Oh yeah, we are on Facebook. <laughs> we say, like, I was like, I don't know why it's so hard to remember what we say in the outro. Jeez. Every week it's like, what do you say? What do I say? <laughs> it's a surprise. We're trying to keep the campers on their toes. Yes. And also, at any time, you can shoot us an email at campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. Hell yeah. I do have a minor follow-up request. Sure. So, campers, 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 I turn 30 very soon. Yes. And for my 30th birthday, I have a request. I would very much enjoy if somebody would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. So that way we can read them on air around the time of my birthday. Yeah, that'd be nice. It would. Be nice. Please. 
I mean, or, or just send cash. I mean, that's fine too. <laughs> cash or a review will work. <laughs> that's it. That's all I had. That's it. That's that's, that's all they wrote. That's the tweet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we are wrapping up because we have to go to work, and I think we're just stalling at this point. And we have to go eat quiche. Oh yeah, I brought quiche. <laughs> there is quiche. <laughs> I hope you don't cut all out, all out all of the quiche content. <laughs> All right, campers, as always, creep it real. real.